When we say that medicine moves fast, you know it's not an exaggeration. There's always some new discovery, some new surgical technique, some new technology, or a new medication that's on the brink of new FDA approval. Well, that's exactly the case of a new revolutionary, non-hormonal, first-in-class medication to treat menopausal hot flashes, the staple of which has been estrogen therapy. But a lot of women have contraindications to estrogen or afraid of using an estrogen product. And there's some concern to that that's legitimate. So having a non-hormonal agent that actually is safe, is tolerable, and reduces hot flashes is absolutely welcome into the scene. That's exactly what's going on with fesolinitant. In April of 2023, in the Green Journal, a new publication is coming out. Yep, that's next month. In April's edition of the Green Journal, that's obstetrics and gynecology, an article is going to be released titled Safety of Fesolinitant for Vasomotor Symptoms Associated with Menopause, a Randomized Controlled Trial. If you don't know how this medicine works, you will by the end of this episode because its discovery, its mechanism of action is super neat. And we're going to discuss this and we're going to tell you what's the latest in the FDA's approval of this first-in-class non-hormonal medication that works for hot flashes. No, this is not a paid advertisement for this medication. They're not a sponsor. I just wanted you to make sure that you knew what is coming up and likely going to be approved in May. No guarantee of that, but it looks like the timeline is now going to have approval of this medication in May. Can't guarantee it. Don't have any inside information. Uh, but this is just what the data looks like and what the FDA has projected. We're going to get into the details of fesolinitant, how it works, why it's effective, and where the FDA is in process regarding this medication right now. Let's get to fesolinitant, the new medication for vasomotor symptom relief. Here we go. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I remember being taught menopausal principles by leaders in the REI community, right? That's reproductive endocrinology and infertility. Bruce Carr, who had one of the clinical endocrinology textbooks, was one of my professors, a fantastic researcher, great bedside physician. But I remember him saying, you know, we just don't really understand how vasomotor hot flash symptoms really occur. I mean, we know what they are. They're peripheral vasodilation uh, in the skin causes flushing that causes 
causes heat release, heat dissipation, and they get this, uh, you know, this hot flash starting either in the upper trunk, extending to the neck, and then into the face. Uh, so we knew the timeline of it. We knew what it looked like. It literally causes flushing of the skin. But it really wasn't elucidated. We knew estrogen was involved, and it had to do with decreasing estrogen stores. Uh, and we knew that it had to do with the brain because the brain controls temperature. Uh, but that was about it. But man, medicine really does move fast. I mean, over the last decade, we've really kicked up this information because we knew that the temperature regulating center for humans was in the hypothalamus. Everybody knew that. That wasn't, uh, you know, brand new data. But was, what was new is, is how candy neurons affect temperature regulation. Yeah, that's candy with a K, not C-A-N-D-Y, but K-N-D-Y, candy neurons. If you don't know what those are, I'm going to explain it very quickly. But understanding how candy neurons work in the hypothalamus is key to understanding how this new medication that looks like we'll have approval hopefully soon, um, how it works. K-N-D-Y neurons or candy neurons, that's capital K, capital N, capital D, and little y, candy neurons. Those letters actually stand for the three chemical messengers uh, that they represent, that they secrete. Those three messengers are kispepsin, neurokinin B, and dynorphin. That's the K-N-D-Y. These neurons are in the hypothalamus of the brain, and they're central to the hormonal control of female reproduction and temperature regulation. Okay, I have to stop and do a quick clinical pearl real quick because I don't want to leave the impression that these candy neurons are only responsible for thermoregulation in the body. Uh, even if that was their only job, it's a big job. I mean, we need that. The job of these candy neurons in the hypothalamus isn't to annoy us with hot flashes. It's really to thermoregulate the body, to have appropriate heat dissipation. So that's super important. But they also do a very, very important job. You see, the K in candy, the kispeptin, that kispeptin is the principal regulator of the secretion of gonadotropins from the hypothalamus. Yep, so kispeptin causes the GnRH cells to fire. It's crucial for the onset of puberty, the regulation of sex steroid-mediated feedback, and it's also required in the control of female fertility. So kispeptin is vital for human reproduction. Back in 2012, researchers proved that these candy neurons play a pivotal role in the cutaneous vasodilation and the estrogen modulation of body temperature. Menopause was already known to have alterations in the arcuate nucleus of the hypothalamus, which has a concentration of these candy neurons. Remember, that's kispepsin, neurokinin B, and dynorphin. While using rat models, these researchers ablated those neurons. And what they found is when you take away those neurons, it remarkably reduced skin temperature. It reduced vasodilation in the skin of the tail of the rats, right? So before they were ablated, uh, they'd have measurable changes in the temperature of the little skin of their tails. But if you knock this out, it prevented that vasodilation. So in effect, they proved that vasodilation at the skin surface level was mediated by the arcuate nucleus. And again, that's those candy neurons. 
Of course, what was found in that rat model later became the foundation of human trials, because if we could somehow prevent that vasodilatory response, knowing that these candy receptors play a key role here, then perhaps we can reduce hot flashes. Well, here's how this biology works with candy receptors and estrogen. The thermoregulatory center in the brain, in the hypothalamus, is innervated by these candy neurons. And out of those three chemical markers, kispepsin, neurokinin B, and dynorphin, the one that's most active is neurokinin B. That's the one that kind of drives this whole game. These neurons are stimulated by the neuropeptide neurokinin B that act on the neurokinin 3 receptor. That's the NK3 receptor. Remember that. But these are also inhibited by estrogen. So, during the menopausal transition and in menopause formally, with the declining estrogen levels, then neurokinin 3 receptor mediated activation goes unopposed. This leads to increase in the number of candy neurons, and it leads to increased activity at the thermoregulatory center. Remember that these candy neurons function in causing vasodilation. Vasodilation is the vasomotor symptom. So the thermoregulatory center triggers this heat dissipation that's basically running amok because the brakes have been removed. The brakes are estrogen. That's why estrogen replacement works because it prevents the firing and prevents the multiplication of these candy neurons. Okay, that sounded very sciencey. Let's just break it down very quickly. In the hypothalamus, there's these KNDY neurons that are suppressed basically by estrogen. You take away estrogen, candy neurons start multiplying, they go nuts, they start firing, and when they fire, they become overactive, they actually lead to peripheral vasodilation in the skin, hence the hot flash, and that triggers that heat dissipation, all right? So all to say, estrogen goes down, candy starts firing, Poof, you get hot, and therefore is the hot flash. Since bench research and animal studies have shown that neurokinin-3 receptors, the NK3 receptor, is what's responsible out of all those three things, out of the K and the N and the DY, it's the N, that neurokinin, that's the one that causes most of the firing leading to activation of vasodilation, then the idea is if we could somehow block that, if we could make an antagonist that blocks the binding of neurokinin-3 to its receptor, then you won't get any hot flash development and you don't need estrogen for that, right? So you're doing the job of estrogen at the receptor level. And that's how this new medication came to be. So it's fezolinitant, that's F-E-Z-O-L-I-N-E-T-A-N-T, all right? Fezolinitant. Why are these daggone names so terrible? Fezolinitant. I mean, you know how long it took me to say that? I mean, fezolinitant, with the Hispanic accent coming in here, that word is just terrible. Why can't we just make it easier? I don't know. Despite the weird name, I really do think this is fascinating. I mean, we're now modeling medication based on a receptor level. 
uh, it's crazy, right? I mean, we can target. We now have gone to molecular um, medication formation and pharmacogenomics and all of this whole new area of medicine. Before we just, ah, just give her estrogen, she'll be fine because uh, we knew it's kind of the wet blanket on the fire. But now, rather than just throwing the wet blanket, we can actually look at this little receptor, make an antagonist, uh, and and prove that it works. So we've gone to molecular-based medication, and I just think it's fascinating. If you're not familiar with the clinical trial process for either a med device or a new medication, there's basically three main phases. There's a phase four, but that's aftermarket development. That's post-market surveillance. So the three phases are phase one, phase two, and phase three. It sounds pretty easy, right? Phase one is typically focused on safety. Phase two is now focused on effectiveness. And then phase three is typically called the pivotal trial. That's the one that compares any new treatment that's proposed to existing treatments in light of the pre-existing safety and efficacy that was part of the phase one and phase two part of the research. The phase three study, which showed phezolinotent's reduction in both frequency and severity of the menopausal hot flashes, was actually presented just last year at ENDO 2022. That's the Endocrine Society's annual meeting held in Atlanta. The chief author and one of the key investigators of this is out of UNC School of Medicine. That's Genevieve Neal Perry. She's a fascinating researcher and physician, and I've been following her work for some time now. This study was called Skylight 2. That's skylight like in your roof. Skylight. This trial was a year-long study that investigated the safety and the efficacy of phezolinotent, which is that neurokinin-3 receptor antagonist, and its job was to reduce both the frequency and severity of moderate to severe vasomotor symptoms as well as sleep disturbances. The mean change in patient-reported sleep disturbance from baseline to week 12 was a key secondary endpoint in the study. The researchers randomized 501, that's 501, postmenopausal women that were ages 40 to 65 with an average of seven or more moderate to severe hot flashes that occurred per day. They were randomized to either placebo or one of two once-daily doses of the medication either 30 milligrams or 45 milligrams for 12 weeks. In the extension period of the study, those on placebo were then re-randomized to the phezolinotent 30 milligrams or the 45 milligram dose, and those originally on the medication remained on their dose for the remainder of 40 weeks. The extension period analysis comprised 484 women. Well, this thing worked. Both doses were associated with a statistically significant reduction in the frequency and severity of hot flashes. This was maintained through the 52-week study period. Data showed the overall safety and tolerability previously observed for phezolinotent in the Phase 1 and 2 studies to be replicated again in this cohort. Those who were re-randomized from placebo to medication experienced a reduction in both the frequency and severity of the vasomotor symptoms. That was the phase three study that came out the summer of 2022, and that led to the FDA's next action. I'm going to tell you what that next action is coming up next. (music) 
from the phase one to phase three clinical data on this medication, the FDA accepted a new drug application for fesolinotent on August the 18th, 2022. Guys, we're doing this on March the 8th, 2023. That's how fast this thing is moving, okay? So this is hasn't even been a year yet. And they've already issued an update that just came out February 2023, just last month. So the FDA, now taking a look at all of this data, was supposed to come up with a yes or no by now, but they decided to push back that final decision up until May 2023. And that's just to have more time to review the data, not to rush anything. And that was just announced on February the 19th, 2023. If you'd like to read the official press release for that, you can find it at www.drugs.com slash NDA slash fesolinotent. This brings us to this brings us to next month's publication in the Green Journal. Remember, this is coming out April of 2023, and this is that safety data of fesolinotent based on that phase three RCTs. Okay, so this is already out there. The FDA has it. This is just now finally going through official peer review to check that final box. It doesn't have to go through peer review. It doesn't have to be a separate publication, but it looks nice for the medication. It's great for the researchers. So there's the FDA thing that's on your left hand, and then there's peer review publication publication that's on the right hand. And so it's coming out in April is just what the FDA is already looking at already in their possession. But that's now coming out in the Green Journal. Well, the short of it is that medication at both the 30 milligram and the 45 milligram dose was actually well tolerated with effects that are not much different than placebo. So that's reassuring. So we have efficacy data and we've got safety data. And this thing just does seem to work. Remember, it's not just the severity of the hot flash, but it's the frequency of the hot flashes as well. This would be nice to have a non-estrogen, a non-hormonal option for women. Yes, we still have estrogen, and yes, it works, but some women are afraid to use estrogen-containing products uh, with some legitimate concern, or some have some contraindications. And the medications that we currently use off-label, like SSRIs or SNRIs, those are just not that effective compared to this kind of medication, because this actually targets upstream. It actually targets it within the hypothalamus, whereas others have other mechanisms of action, and they're just not as effective. This is much more effective than uh, venlafaxine or uh, uh, SSRI therapy or all of the other weird stuff that we've tried to tackle this, which have some efficacy, uh, but they typically range in efficacy for hot flash relief from about 30% up to about 40%. This seems to work much better than those alternative off-label options. Well, podcast family, that's kind of a short one today because I just wanted to give you a sneak peek of what's coming up next month. And if you hadn't heard about candy neurons, I mean, this has been a thing uh, for several years now. Again, the data first came out in 2012 that they can actually manipulate these and prevent vasodilation in an animal model. So in 10 years from concept from we think it's candy and not sure to yes, it's definitely candy to now having a medication. Uh, I think 10 years is pretty fast. Uh, it depends how you look at it. People are like 10 years, that's forever. Not really, not when you consider it. it's got to go through phase one, phase two, phase three, and then the FDA. I think it's remarkably fast because if this thing is approved, it's just a whole new game changer for how we treat and think about medications. Rather than just throwing the whole wet blanket on the fire, we can again target it at the molecular level, at the receptor level. Uh, and I think that's just fascinating. 
Anyway, that's coming up in the April Green Journal. You now know about candy neurons and uh, kispepsin uh, and the NK3 receptor antagonist that potentially will have new FDA approval to fix hot flashes. All right, podcast family, I hope you found that helpful and interesting. We're thankful that you're part of our podcast community, and we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls.